My special guest on this week's show is Jim Segalis, the founder and managing director of Lease Equity. Lease Equity is the leading retail property services firm in Western Australia. Jim has been at the helm for all of its 21 years, and he's built it up to, well, over 50 employees. And on today's episode of the show, we're going to be talking to Jim about the retail property market, leading his own firm, and what it's like to work with CRE Success. Welcome to CRE Success, the podcast. Check us out online at cresuccess.co forward slash podcast. And now here's your host, Darren Krakowiak. Hello and welcome to episode 148 of CRE Success, the podcast. My name's Darren Krakowiak and I help commercial real estate leaders who want to accelerate growth in their business. Really appreciate you being with us today. We're going to get right into our special interview right now with Jim Segalis. Jim Segalis of Lease Equity, welcome to CRE Success, the podcast. Good morning and how are you? I'm doing very, very good. Thank you, Jim. Thanks for being there. Now, Jim, I want to talk to you about a few things today. First of all, about your business. Lease Equity is the I think most people would agree the dominant player in WA in retail agency services, particularly in leasing and property management. Got a long list of shopping centres that you've been involved with from the master planning stage to getting a project leased and then ongoing management. And one stat that I love is that you've leased over 80% of the stock in the Perth CBD. So my question for you is, what's more challenging? Is it gaining that dominance or is it maintaining that position over a sustained period? Um, for my part, it's it, it's the same. It's that constant improvement, the cup half empty, the 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 thirst for um, knowledge, better systemization, uh, understanding. Um, all of those things have been a constant. I think where it's difficult for people to maybe conceive is how does one keep the motivation over 21 plus years and for me it's been I've had a wonderful group of people behind me both family and team Um, and what I would say is I've sought out the best to work with me the best assistance um, in terms of um, EAs um, and also looking at where the gaps are and saying, well, where am I deficient or as the business has grown, how do I do the things I used to do very seamlessly? So I got a full-time analyst working with me um, and the like. So, and and, and and whatever I thought was a good idea, um, I've now got the means to really move that more quickly. Hopefully that answers your question. Okay, I just want to... Um maybe use a sporting analogy for you because I know you're right into that. Do you play a little bit more defence than offence now? No. Um, I wouldn't say that. I would say contextual to the moment and the period in time. There was a period, for example, you mentioned uh, the percentage market share we've got. There was a period some seven, maybe eight years ago where the market was very difficult, pre the boom of WA. Um, I took a very austere view, so we took on we we tilted towards major heavy project work, um, which is very difficult, very time consuming, and that by necessity meant that 
the, the core team is focused on brokerage, which, which is what we do very well, diminished somewhat. That was a calculated decision. So sometimes you've got to play on at all costs because you're in the 28-minute mark of the last quarter and that's how the game's won. And other times you've got to man up. At that particular point, we were manning up. So I try and contextualise it for the period. Uh, I love um, looking at things in a contextual manner rather than um, just what we're doing. So where's the market? Where are we? Supply side, demand side, competitor side, and then we make our decision. You just mentioned uh, 21 years of lease equity. Congratulations on that. What's the significance of that milestone for you, for your clients and for your team? First of all, it's a time just to pause and, and it doesn't. It feels like I haven't paused or the business hasn't paused in that whole 21 years. Um, so it was time to pause and say thank you to every particular person that's worked at lease equity. So we went back and we did a baggy green um, similarity. Every every employee was given a number, and for those long-standing employees, they were given uh, a plaque, a commemorative plaque, as well as a gift, as well as a number. Um, that this is where they played a part, and for those other people that have have come and gone, um, they were also recognised either by call or electronically. And the clients were also, and other partners like architects. Um, and uh, councils and the like were recognised. So really just a time to um, acknowledge everyone's support, um, but then also to reset and say, what did we do well? What didn't we do so well? Um, And what does the next 21 years look like, believe it or not? Well, that last point, I think, leads me to my next question, which is the, the changes that have occurred in the retail market, not just in these post-COVID years, but really over the whole period that lease equity has been around and no doubt there will be more. So when you think about staying relevant and at the forefront of these changes, what comes to mind for you to provide your clients with the best possible advice? How do you do that and remain relevant from your client's perspective? So for me, it's always finding the best in market, whatever it is, whether it's accounting advice, um, whether it's Um, the leading broker in Sydney, the leading broker in Melbourne, um, the preeminent property firm in New York, wherever that might be, seeking out that expertise, asking that expertise if they would be so kind as to me. And I might say, Darren, on many occasions, we might be so much bigger or um, more transactional, whatever it might be, in quantum. But there might be something that we think we can learn. So I was in Adelaide yesterday for a day. I sought out a couple of people and spent an hour with them, two different parties. And it was really just a learning, exploration, um, sharing exercise. The last time I was in Sydney, um, uh, there was a there was an agent that had reached out to me wanting to know something I took the time, this, this, this person was in their mid-30s, starting their career. We've, we've started a quasi-mentoring. It was in reverse. But he's been so generous with some stuff he shared with me. And I guess, you know, you ask me, you know, what do we do? It's, it's seeking out the best 
Um, and that's not always the biggest and fastest, and it's not always indirect real estate. So I'm across a number of things. I'm a member of the Entrepreneurs' Organisation. Um, it's peer-to-peer global learning. Um, there's just some wonderful learnings there from some startups to some very large businesses. Spent a lot of time. Um, I spent three hours last last Saturday um, doing some visioning with my accountant and, again, sought out the very best um, accountant for where I'm at and where the business is at. Um, and even, and I know we might talk about it a bit later, even um, talking to you, Darren, and you came into my life um, and probably surprisingly for you, you might have thought that, you know, you could train my team. And, and I said, no, no, you need to train the coach as well. Um, so it's finding the best in class. And I would say being intellectually humble, you don't have all the answers. Um, you got a lot of them, but you don't have all the answers. Um, and understanding their relevance. And last thing I'll say on it is the great people in whatever they do have a way of putting maybe the same message a different way at a different time and it resonates. Um, so just understanding what your own skills gaps are the, the, or where the growth potential is, exploring it, and you'll find a match in some of that information that's out there. Got it. In your travels, speaking to many great retail agents around the world, it sounds like, what have you noticed makes a good retail agent and how does that differ, if at all, from a good commercial office or industrial agent? So I think in any agent's capacity, we're dealing in a segment where there's a user of the space, whether it's industrial, commercial, residential even. So I don't think it differs, although it can be more complex in retail because retail and, to a large extent, industrial, the location has a very positive linear relationship to the success of the business. So, you know, location, location, location. So if it's a McDonald's, major arterial, blue road, right in, left out, left out, left in, all of that, uh, dense population, all of that. So that's a common thing. Um, But understanding the user's requirements, being a very active listener, people would confuse most real estate, successful real estate agents as being talkers, having little knowledge, but small talk, if you like. Yes, they've got to be able to sell, but the technical toolkit that you develop over a period by asking active questions is important. I think being um, reading, in fact, this morning, I, I I was researching some stuff and, and, you know, it's pretty easy today with Google or whatever else. But learning about, you know, market trends, um, learning about what a, what makes something tick um, makes you much more powerful because you've then got a technical understanding of the tenant requirements. And those active questions, um, for example, I'll often get asked by people, tell us the average rents of of a neighbourhood shopping centre. And I'll often say, give me the widths, give me the depths, give me the geography, give me the majors, give me the location, give me the context. And it sounds like I'm avoiding the question. 
I'm not. I'm trying to give you really specifically good feedback. So in the Perth context, if you tell me a neighbourhood shopping centre on Stirling Highway, Netherlands, I'm going to give you quite a, and it was a typical um, sea of parking at the front door, walking straight into a Coles or a Woolworths of 4,000 metres. That would be a different answer to a hundred uh, 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 um, a supermarket in um, suburban Perth, blue collar, um, 1,500 metre IGA with 10 specialties um, and where the major doesn't doesn't need to be accessed through the specialties. Again, that's experience talking, but I can give you a general answer, but I can give you a really good answer um, based on all that market knowledge and technical. So that's in all segments how one becomes good at what they do. Marketing real estate, um, where it's a bit different to, I think, cars or, 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 or boats or whatever it might be, large purchases, and even to a certain extent homes, but not always. There's an emotional bit to that. You actually build and can assist in putting the kit together that gets used to complete a transaction. So that might be in a development. It might be telling the landlord they need to remove some pillars in a building. They need to refurbish it. It needs escalators. Um, it needs the more widths wider or whatever. All of those things um, are technical knowledge that goes a long way toward um, being a successful agent. And it takes time. Yeah. I guess as your business has grown, you not only need to find good agents, but you're at that point, obviously, where you also need good leaders around you. So what are the key attributes you're looking for when it comes to your leadership team? Um, it's not always necessary to have the best technical toolkit to be a great leader, technical toolkit being in real estate. It's an interesting phenomenon that historically, and particularly in commercial real estate agencies, Usually the MD historically has been a capital transactional person. More recently, more and more businesses have had a more methodical or at least ostensibly methodical um, um, property management person. But putting that aside, and I'll come back to it, what you need is people that have got integrity, they're good communicators, they're concise, they're not afraid to speak to the fundamentals of what is our why and what is our client's need. So my why is to give the clients the best advice possible to either add value or retain value and also to be remunerated for it fairly. Now, coming back to what I said before, capital transactions people can be confused as being just salesmen. I would put to you, good capital transactional people have to assess the value of an asset, where the growth might be, where the issues might be, how to present it in its, in its best form, understand all the objections that might come forward, understand a bit about legal, uh, a lot about growth, a bit about funding, who can do it, why they can do it, how they can do it, for that reason, some of that way of analysing how to sell big, big, big assets 
That's why a lot of people go to a commercial real estate company. They either want to buy or sell something, then they want to manage. Um, I think a, little bit, a bit of that's been lost in a lot of the major agents are listed, and because they're listed, they've got non-financial um, criteria to meet, gender equality um, and and other things like work from home um, criterias, and whatever, which are all valid and we should all do them because some of the investors in that stock want to have an ethical, have got an ethical investment strategy. However, if you look at all these companies, it's all about the return. So I'm not for one moment suggesting that the return should always trump um, efficacy and the like. But going back to the leadership piece, the leader shouldn't be afraid to talk about it's all about efficiency. It's all about um, us getting a return on investment for ourselves and our clients, um, having the potential to acknowledge that vulnerability can be a strength, to explain to people that this is difficult or this is something we need to get better at. So I think there's a lot in leading a real estate agency that's more than um, the technical tool bag that one might have. Um, but as I say, if I'd summarise it, it's integrity, it's honesty, it's understanding that, you know, why do a client, why does a client appoint us and not hide behind um, a whole lot of non-financial metrics that the client wants to use us for, but we should still stay very true to what is important to us, how our, you know, how our staff are treated, et cetera. So that stuff's really important. A lot of accumulated knowledge in those last two answers about the qualities of agents and leaders, whether it might be something related to that or it might be something different. Can you think of something that perhaps you know now but you wish you had known sooner about running your own business? That tomorrow is going to come and if you do all the things well all of the time or most of the time, pardon me, tomorrow will come. Um, and what I mean by that is a lot of people are driven by a fear of failure and I'm one of them. Um, and you 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 question um, will it be this, will it be that, will it get to this, will it get to that? And the truth of it is you set um, audacious goals quite often. I've been a perennial underachiever in that regard. I... I very methodically, Darren, as you know, set five to ten-year goals rolling and they're set against a lifetime goal path, which is personal and business. So it might be number of staff, it might be um, whatever. For me, it's been I want to manage a sub-regional shopping centre in the early days. I personally wanted to transact supermarket leases Um when I set that goal, I thought if I could do one or two, I've made it. I'm up around 30. Um, I thought if I could transact with this with full-line department stores, I've done three. My point is I've done them all maybe 20 or 30% later in the time frame I've given myself, and that tomorrow will come peace if I'm doing all the things and I'm very mindful 
and I keep going back to what my goals were and what will make those goals realities or visions realities. Um, it's, you know, really important to just, you know, you know, I talked about context before and that's super important, but so is having a single-mindedness, you know, whether it's failure is not an option, whether it's failure is a teacher, whether it's, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in it for the long haul and the long run's made up a whole lot of short runs um, and I'm going to have some wins and losses. For example, I was saying to one of my team members today, why is it that when, when, when something goes wrong, we just beat ourselves up and, and we say, oh, we're awful and three people have left or two clients have left, but yet when we win business, we say, geez, you know, that was good and we move on. So we, we really celebrate failure more than success. Um, and there's, there's a lot in that. There's, you know, you, you don't want to gloat. You, 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 you're always worried. You're on the edge. But it, it's not a bad thing to, to, to look at the cup half empty, but every now and then um, just understanding that it's part of the journey and that tomorrow will come. Um, and the last thing I'll say on it is I always say to the team, if that's the goal that you've set yourself, are you willing to pay the price? And for different people, that price is a different amount. To the super talented, um, uh, you know, analyst who's got all the all their spreadsheeting skills and um, analytical skills, the price they might pay is um, that, that, or they might think the price is well. If I'm here for three years, I'll go to the next level. Well, the price might be. They're not great communicators and they've got to go at night to a Toastmasters course and they've got to present in front of a crowd and they're very intimidated and, and that's really uncomfortable. The price I might have to pay is I have to do my homework every Sunday night from 7 till 10 for the forthcoming week to be prepared for the unexpected. And if I don't want to pay that price habitually, um, you know, that, that might be difficult. Um, the other thing I should say is in all of that, successful people are habitually successful. They do things that, that lead to outcomes, so tomorrow comes. But the flip on that is so are unsuccessful people. They, they are habitually doing things that lead to the wrong outcome or not the desired outcome. And I think all of us have got a cocktail of that, yeah. you know, whether it's eating habits, working habits, whatever it is. So it's just being really honest. And then tomorrow, I think, does come as long as you set your goals. And the reason I set them, Darren, over a very long period is I have every intention of achieving them. And if I miss the premiership window, I'm going to be there to play in the next one. I just want it to come sooner because one thing's for sure that that time horizon isn't infinite, but but it's significant. Wonderful. Thank you for sharing all of that. There were so many things I could have asked as follow-up questions, but I'm mindful of the time that we have, Jim. Um, I want to ask you about the work that we've been doing together. What was the reason that you decided to work with me and, and why did you decide to basically give this a go and get started? 
answer it this way. Um, I spoke to uh, my three daughters, two of whom are in property development. Um, my son-in-law, who's an investment banker, and my daughter, who's a litigation lawyer. The, the reason the reason I say uh, mention all those people is so you get some context that they're intelligent, they're on their journey, they're all twenty-somethings, and I had said to them that they all need to top up whatever learnings, formal and informal, that they could. And my youngest daughter, who's who's in property development, said, Dad, I noticed that you've taken on a coach in the real estate area. Jokingly, what could he or she teach you? And I said, well, grasshopper, in the um, kung fu style, I want this person to do work with my team. But I also want to understand about his process. And in addition to that, I think in a quiet moment, I know every step or almost every step. But you know what? I'm not applying it enough. What I've talked about previously about the habits and about the voices that are heard and about good process and about um, getting better at one does, it just led me, you and I spoke, um, and you probably thought this guy's impossible to nail down. Um, the view I took is if you're an elite tennis player or you're an elite golfer, your coach doesn't have to be an elite performer have to be an elite coach. Now, you might be both, and that does happen. So for me, it was about entering a program of I expected it to be just ticking off the things that I need to get back to more habitually, but it's become more than that, Darren. It's also become eye-opening in some regards, um, taking me down a different path of reflection um, and got me thinking a different way, thought-provoking. And as I said to my daughters, that intellectual humility I talked about, um, you, you know, bang on, really. Um, this afternoon I'm going with one of my team to how to calculate the profit of a business. Now, I don't need to do that in terms of I know my stuff with our business really well, but I'm going along to that because I want to sit with my colleague, get them to help them get to the next level of leadership and thinking. And if I go back to your thing, um, um, it's been really thought-provoking and for me it's given me an opportunity to become a little bit more focused and we're devoting an hour or so a month and then some outside of it. So it's really important. And what I know is if I'm going to devote an hour of my month or, or more, a bit of homework, and I'm paying for it, I'm going to respect it, and I better get 10x out of it. Um, and so far, that's all happened. So for all those reasons, it's been really important for me to be part of the program um, and get the get the feedback. Um, and as you know, I've encouraged you as a disciple on my side to say, mate, tell me what you think. Tell me, apart from the prescriptive learning, Give me some feedback on what you do, which is really honest, unfiltered, unbiased, 
And if anything, you want me to get better because I've become a potential client in the future and an ambassador. And that's exactly how it's gone, Darren. And from my perspective, I go back to my girls and say, well, guys, at your young age, you need to get your, you need to get your top-ups because when you're leading, you're making it up as you're going along. And sometimes you need to go back and do the Excel course or whatever to go to the next level. In my case, it's real estate fundamentals and some. Is there a word that comes to mind that you could use to describe the process that we've gone through together? Um, I would say one word. Yeah, one word if you've got one. Focus. Thank you. Uh, Final question for you, Jim, is what would you say to somebody who's thinking about joining the program? What would your advice to them be? I would say you should... Everyone needs to be coached in some way and and without, you know, talking about uh, coaching as being um, motivational per se. So if you've got... First of all, understand what the coaching is. Then um, take some time. And if they want to reach out to me, fine. Reach out to someone else. Speak to you. Do some dating before you decide you're going to get itched. Um, and then I would say you're going to, you know, think about what your takeouts want to be and you're going to get some best practice learning. So at the very least, you're going to walk out with some really good benchmarking. At the very best, you're going to get some self-discovery and some gap analysis on your, your own leadership running of a business inventory. And for those reason, it, reasons, it's well worth going through the program. And as much as I said it's a significant devotion of time, it's not really. It's an hour a month that could be 10 or 12x on income. And at the very least, um, it's going to put you in a much better mindset to be running your business on a monthly basis. And your Jahari window or your blind spot is going to be um, focused on and one of the things, Darren, it's hard to say to you or to you maybe to receive it. One thing I think you're really good at is you don't come from a judgmental point of view. You're putting out what it, what, what works and you're not putting it out as the only panacea. You're putting it out as a you might want to look at this and this is something that might work and you follow up and you listen, which for most business owners, they don't have the luxury of having people that, first of all, have got a toolkit to respond about the leadership and the running of the business and secondly, can put some empirical data around it and then follow up with, well, here's an idea that I've, I've had before. Here's a book. Here's a profit sharing. Here's this. For all those reasons, it, it, it gets you pretty focused. Well, Jim, it's been a pleasure working with you so far. I'm looking forward to continuing the program that we're already on. Thanks for joining me today on CRE Success, the podcast. Thanks for your time, Darren. My pleasure. I hope you enjoyed our interview with Jim. If you want to know more about the program that Jim and I have been working through, it's called CRE Suite, and it's especially for leaders of commercial real estate agency businesses. To find out more and to see if you're a good fit for the program, the next step to take is to go to cresuccess.co slash leadership. Go to that page, fill out the form, leave your details and we'll get back to you and we can have a private and confidential discussion 
about what working together looks like. CREsuccess.co slash leadership. That's our episode for today. Thank you so much for listening. I will speak to you soon. Thanks for listening to CRE Success, the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. For more information about the show, just check the show notes on your podcast app or visit us online at CREsuccess.co.